What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. We've got a special, special podcast today. We are joined by the one and only Mr. Kirk Herbstreet. He is a college game day host. He's a college football commentator for ESPN. He's one of my role models, and I am greatly honored and humbled to have him on the show, and I hope you all enjoy this interview. We are joined by Mr. Herbstreet on the phone. Mr. Herbstreet, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the Mitch Davis Show. I greatly, greatly appreciate this. Glad to be with you, bud. Yes, sir. Well, we're going to jump right into a couple questions. I know you're a busy man with the playoffs coming up. The first questions we're going to kind of ask are kind of playoff-based questions. What is your opinion on the selection process, and how can it improve categories they use and what have you to select the teams? Man, you know, I, I think we are, we are in a kind of an era with this playoff because it's subjective. It, I think it's very confusing for a lot of people. You know, there are a lot of people out there that, that think a conference champ should be in. There's there are other people that think the best four teams should be in. And so what you think and what I think mm. and what other people listening to this might think, we all might differ in opinion, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that's what makes this so maddening, I think, for a lot of people. is it's, Again, it's subjective, so it's really what, what matters to you most. You know, like this year, for example, at the end of it, did you think that Alabama was deserving, even though their resume wasn't maybe as impressive as Ohio State's, and yet, you know, the committee felt that they should be in? I personally felt that Alabama, despite having a a better resume than Ohio State, I I just thought they were a better team. And that's when you kind of get into the the eyeball test, you know, just watching the teams play. Um, So I I don't, I mean, I guess the, the easy thing is to say expand it to six, or to eight mm-hmm. teams, and then that way you can get all your Power Five champions in. And, I'm, and that was I'm, kind of our I'm, next thing is a little bit of the 18 playoff, the 16 playoff, you know I mean? Because I know a lot of the parody on a lot of the conversation was, you know, Ohio State and Alabama. And, you know, the eyeball test, you know, with the better teams got to factor in injuries or whatever, Alabama looked like to be like the best team, you know, because you got to factor in the Iowa loss and whatever. But it's also yeah. one of those things where, you know, do you think that winning your conference championship should be an absolute requirement to make the playoffs? Or do you think a long shot like Alabama or like we saw a couple of years past with Penn State or whatever kind of get in as well? I'm comfortable with, at the end of the day, and I always try to bring this up when we discuss this topic, is I'm, I'm most comfortable with four best teams getting in, not necessarily the four most deserving teams. And I think when you start to – look at, well, they won a conference championship, so they should automatically be in. I don't know if that, you know, number one, they should, whoever wins a conference championship, you know, that that should be a team that obviously you look at and and take under serious consideration. But if there's another team, last year, Ohio State, they didn't win a Big Ten championship. They didn't play in the Big Ten championship. And ended up getting the benefit of the doubt based on the committee just thinking they were a better team. And based on, at the end, they had three wins, over top 10 opponents in the final rankings of the playoffs. So in that case, they were rewarded for that schedule. Uh, if, you, if you look at Alabama this year, they didn't necessarily really have that. They didn't have the, the, um, the resume that kind of supported it. So in this case, it's the first time in the four years, the committee said, we don't really care about the resume. We, we collectively, people in this room who watch football, we think that Alabama, despite their loss to Auburn, that they are, in fact, one of the best four teams. And I think if you're, everybody's being fair to themselves, 
they were almost the entire year, losing a hard-fought game on the road at a rivalry game, and, and then just because of losing that game, walk out of that and say, well, they're not one of the best four teams now. So I think that's why they got the benefit of the doubt here. So my big thing is let's put the best four in regardless. Mm-hmm. And you can use strength of schedule. You can use conference championships. Use head-to-head, whatever you want to use. But at the end, I, I think all the fans, they want to see – what we all collectively think is the best four teams. We may not always agree, but that's that's kind of the goal is to get the best four teams, and I think they got the best four teams in this year. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. And, you know, going into this bowl season and going into the playoffs, what is the most intriguing playoff game to you and the most intriguing bowl game as well? Well, I guess the most intriguing – I love both the playoff games for different reasons. I mean, I, I love the Rose Bowl because I love seeing – Big 12 offense with Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. go up against a great SEC defense. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see how that plays out because the Big 12 always likes to say, we, we don't have bad defenses, we just have great offenses. And the SEC likes to say, oh, no, 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 we have great defenses. So I like I can't wait to see how that plays out. Uh, I'm probably looking forward most in the, the, between the two playoffs is watching to see how Clemson and, and Alabama go in the trilogy. Of course, as you know, two years ago, Alabama won it in a close game, even though Deshaun Watson played well. And last year, Deshaun Watson and Clemson finally they get their championship, and he moves on, and many other great players, Mike Williams, Jordan Lake, and a lot of other great players who wanted it, but he thought Clemson would be maybe a game or two short this year, but to their credit, to get back in there and look at it, lo and behold, they have to play in the, in the playoffs in Alabama. So now it's Kelly Bryant instead of Deshaun Watson. Alabama's getting healthier. Alabama's probably got a big chip on their shoulder because of the whole debate. Should they be in? Should they not be in? Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that one emotionally plays out. And then another bowl game that, that kind of stands out, Penn State and Washington in the Fiesta Bowl, I, I think is going to be a lot of fun. And Ohio State and USC in the Cotton. Both those are Big Ten and Pac-12. And again, bragging rights will be on the line in both those games. It's a, it's a, I love that kind of matchup, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. That's a very fun matchup. Always in the always in the Rose Bowl, now we get it in two other uh, New Year's Six Bowls yeah, as well. Right. So I think that's a really interesting matchup. So I'm kind of with you on that. So we're going to jump ship a little bit. Um, well, actually, we're going to stay with that for one more question. What do you think a healthy Alabama team uh, mean, teams means to Clemson? I mean, they face, you know, you think Clemson is going to face Ohio State or whatever, but now they get the treat to play Alabama, who could potentially be the number one team in the country all year if they stayed healthy. What does that kind of mean for Clemson going into, like, the matchup standpoint a little bit? Well, I, th- I got to give Davo Sweeney a lot of credit for the way he gets his team ready to play in these big games. People I still think respect and appreciate uh, how long Clemson has been competing against the big boys. I mean, it's been going on for five or six years now that they don't only play them. They beat them consistently. So I don't, I don't think Clemson's going to look across the line of scrimmage and go, oh my gosh, there's that big, bad Alabama. They're not in a good mood. And, oh, no, they're healthy. What are we going to do? Um, I think Clemson will be ready to, to take them as best swing. I do think it's just a, a, a fact that Alabama was, was not the same team towards the latter part of the year when they played Mississippi State on the road and when they played Auburn uh, on the defensive side of the ball. They now will be a lot healthier which will give them, I, I think, a much different feel and a, a lot of depth. You know, when you when Nick Saban and, and Jeremy Pruitt, with, you know, defense coordinator who's headed to Tennessee, when they have an ability to rotate a lot. 
Do you think the Jeremy Pruitt hiring of Tennessee is going to be a distraction for Alabama? I know with Lane Kiffin last year and Kirby Smart uh, a couple years before that, that was kind of a a little bit of a distraction, but not as much because Nick Saban kind of reigns in his team as well. But do you think that's kind of a distraction for the Crimson Tide heading into the playoff game? Colorado State, yes, sir. Speaking of early signing day, I know that's on Wednesday. What are some of the effects to the early signing day? Are you a fan of that, or are you a fan of the traditional wait to the first weekend of February type deal? Taking 
two or three. It doesn't matter whether it's this signing period or later. Sorry. But the guy that's that, you know, maybe still being evaluated, maybe still has a chance to get bigger and better offers, he has to make a, a decision now. And and so that that to me is is uh, is a valid and fair point. But I, I do like the, the recruits being able to get the headache of this kind of hanging over the head. They've already verbaled for a year. They don't want other coaches from other schools to continue to call them and bother them. So in this case, they can sign, just be done with it. That I like. You know, that, so I think it just it's a more of a case-by-case study as opposed to just throwing a blanket over the whole thing saying, I love it or I hate it. I think it's, I think it's based on the individual. Yes, sir. And I think it also puts a lot of pressure on the coaches going into you know the bowl season prep. I mean, you have guys that are playing this week. Uh, we're actually heading down to Birmingham for the Birmingham ball. I know, you know, Coach Strong or Coach Clingsbury at Texas Tech, you know, they're arriving in Birmingham on Tuesday, and they have early signing day on Wednesday, you know, with bowl prep and the bowl practice. It kind of puts a little strain on the coaches a little bit getting ready for their bowl games. Well, I just did a game last this past weekend. Yes, sir. Uh, out in Las Vegas. It was Oregon and Boise State. And Oregon had a top-five recruiting class before Willie Taggart uh, left to Florida State, and part of that was with the idea of early signing period on, as you mentioned, Wednesday of this week on December 20th. Well, most schools used uh, December 15th and 16th and 17th, that kind of last weekend, as mm-hmm. a big-time mega put the, put the nail in the coffin, we're going to close all these deals type of weekend. And Oregon had those plans, too. Well, then they all of a sudden they, they get pulled into playing the Las Vegas Bowl. They get a coaching change. And now not only did they lose Willie Taggart, uh, Mario Cristobal, the new head coach, he loses that last weekend to be able to have all those recruits in. And now they, they miss out probably on closing off a pretty good recruiting class for this early, early signing period. So you're right. If you're playing a bowl game on the 16th or if you're playing on the 19th or even the 20th, you obviously are going to be uh, a little bit on the outside looking in compared to some of the other schools that are out there. Yes, sir. And I have two more questions for you, and I'll let you go for that. I know you're a busy guy. Um, we cover a lot of Memphis sports here, you know, of course, being local and cover a lot of SEC. Um, kind of give us a little bit of your take on Memphis football a little bit. I know they've had a great year, have one of the most historic years in the program's history. And kind of give us a little take on your take from an outsider's view with the Memphis football program. Well, I, I've really been impressed with, with what they've done over the last few years. Um, you know, if you look at uh, Coach Fuente and what he was able to do and you know, the, the, the recognition that I think the offense got was, was very obvious. Uh, you know, they've, they've been scoring points, it seems like, in the last few years in, in bunches. You know, you're talking about right around 40 points or better this year, almost up to 50 points with Coach Norvell coming over from Arizona State. And even though it's a little bit of a different offense, um, you know, it's, it's clearly very, very effective. I thought Riley Ferguson after last year transferring in from Tennessee, had a, had a great year. Um, and I think this year he even took it to a different level. Uh, I think probably the best receiver, I even did a show called the Herbies at the end of the year and picked players that sometimes get overlooked or people that you're maybe unaware of the year that they have. And Anthony Miller, who yes, I sir. think you're very well aware of. Yes, sir. He had, I think he ended up with like over 1,400 yards receiving. I mean, yes, there's not a lot of guys that don't do that in a career. Yes, sir. And uh, 17 touchdowns. So I think he'll be one of those guys that lines up in the NFL and ends up putting up monster numbers and you're doing it for the Steelers or somebody. You're thinking, where did Anthony Miller get from? You know, he's, yeah. he just reminds me of that kind of player. So yes, um, they've been fun. They've, they've had a great year. And 
just a team that uh, you know I think are getting more and more credibility. It's, it's sometimes tough, as you know, in your group of five team uh, to be able to create a buzz or, or get people excited. They had their big opportunity early in the year. I think they played UCF like late September, uh, got handled pretty well in that game, and really didn't did, didn't look back uh, after who was it? They I think it was. I think it was UCF. Yes, sir. The they September. Yes, sir. Because they, they, they beat UCLA up, and then they lost yeah. to UCF. Yes, sir. Yeah, and, and ended up being a, one of the better games of the year at the end of the year in the, yes, the championship game. So they're getting, they're doing a great job building recognition and credibility. And, you know, I, I wondered if they could continue that when uh, Justin Fuente left, but uh, they clearly have been able to keep, continue to do that. So yes, that's sir. a great challenge in that AAC, but, but give them a lot of credit. Yes, sir. Last question of this, uh, this show. Um, what are you most excited about going into next season and going into spring football as well? Um, I mean, I'm so focused on what's still going on this year. Um, you know, I haven't really looked at some of the some of the uh, individual storylines for for next okay. year. I guess the biggest thing will be which of these players end up declaring uh, to go to the NFL. You know, we see more and more players skipping bowl games and more and more players that, you know, put in three years and then leave. Um, that's, to me, sometimes it makes a lot of sense. Some guys, you know, they're ready to go and they should go. And there are other cases where uh, they're not ready to go and yet they still make that decision. So there's some very high-profile names out there. Uh, th- that'll be a big part of which teams get some of the preseason notoriety and some of the hype uh, if, the, if their players decide to come back or, or leave. And, you know, the, the, based on that subject you're bringing up, that's what makes college football for me personally so exciting. You, know, you get excited about the 17 year and you go through it and you, you know, you get done with a championship and, and a couple months go by and spring ball starts up and it's like it's a new year. There's some new faces and new storylines and it just never really gets old, you know, and, and I think that's one of the, one of the great things about the sport. Yes, sir. Well, we greatly, greatly appreciate you coming on the show. It's a great honor to have you. Uh, big fan of yours. So we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. I'm actually a big diehard Kentucky fan. Um, also follow the oh, Memphis cool. Tigers, yes sir. So big time Mark Stoops fan and uh, big time uh, big time Kentucky football and Memphis football fans. So it's uh, Very cool. yes sir. Being in SEC country, it's well, kind of fun to have. So yeah, and Kentucky man, I, I talked to Stoopsy last week. It came so close to getting to like eight or nine wins yes, sir. this year. It seems like the last couple of years they've been so close. So. Um, he said next year they, they might, with that junior college quarterback coming in, they, they have a chance to be even better next year. So hopefully, yes, hopefully they get over the hump next year. Yes, sir. It, it, you know, it seemed like with Kentucky, quick note about Kentucky, it's always like they were so close to finishing it, you know, and then they had like a bad loss in Mississippi State or a bad loss to Ole Miss, bad loss to Florida. I mean, Louisville game was kind of expected because Louisville's talent-wise this year was far, you know, far better than Kentucky. I mean, with Lamar Jackson, whatever. But, you know, games like the Florida and, like, the Ole Miss game were kind of like the demoralizing losses for the fan bases. You know, I mean, you lose – you had two guys wide open at the end of the game in the Florida game, and you gave up a, you know, a late late touchdown against Ole Miss as well. So it's kind of those kind of losses that the fan base is kind of ready to get over and ready to get over that hump a little bit and get eight or nine wins. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so. hopefully next year is the year. You know, they – sometimes I think it's mental –
when you lose a game like that, there's a little bit of, oh, man, we go again. So, yes, sir. Uh, you know, hopefully they win their bowl game and next year maybe they get over that hump. Yes, sir. Well, we greatly appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. You got it, bud. Happy to. Thank Good you. Luck to you. Thank you. Appreciate it.